Hello, everybody. It's another edition of Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions. And uh, today, our, our topic is going to be something that's uh, happened in the last week or so. And we're talking about the G7 meeting and also going to talk about the uh, Singapore summit between uh, President Trump and uh, uh, our friend Kim Jong-woo. So, uh, but I want to introduce to you somebody that's new to the TIPS program, and uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you um, Dr. Norman Chip McLeod, who's also the Department Chair of History and Political Science here at Dixie State University. Uh, welcome, Chip. Hey, Bob. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I'm going to be picking your brain today. Okay, we want your positions on this because there's a lot going on. Uh, So what I want to do is uh, I'd like to start off with the uh, sequence here. Uh, We've got a meeting between the uh, G7 countries uh, on June 8th and 9th uh, in Quebec. And then uh, I'd like to follow up and ask you a few questions about your positions and impressions as to what transpired uh, at the Singapore summit on June 12th between uh, President uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un. Well, we will um, see where that takes us. All right. Fantastic. So here we go. We're, uh, we go back to uh, the summit. We're at Quebec. Um, we have the G7 uh, countries being represented. We've got Canada, France, uh, we've got the EU, and the Italian new prime minister in, in, from Italy all coming together and President Trump. And um, he's got a big meeting coming up with the summit in Singapore just after this G7 conference. And so my question to you is, going into the meeting, uh, President Trump has uh, announced that there's going to be tariffs uh, across the board, uh, and these are our allies on the G7. And uh, so it's a really a, a testy-type situation walking into this. I guess my, my first question to you is, based on what President Trump's telling the American people and the world that these terrorists will not be harmful, can you elaborate on that and tell me what you think? Are they going to be har- harmful to us? Well, it depends on... Uh any number of, of things, of course, Bob. Um, when President Trump, not too long ago, suggested to the American people and, of course, uh, others in the world that uh, trade wars are easy. We can win trade wars. Um, that underpins his uh, assertion that he's been hammering away at for quite some time now that our trade agreements with uh, countries all over the world are just patently unfair to us, which means we need to revamp them. We need to recalculate them, recalibrate them a little bit so as uh, to even them up. He seems to think, and and not that many people in in the real world of of economics uh, agree with him, he seems to think that we can... Uh, sort of push a button given our incredible economic clout in the world, and I'm, I'm guessing at this a little bit, but that ultimately these countries will have no choice but to go along. Um, he seems to think that, that that will function. He doesn't give much voice to any serious fallout, and that leads us to um, any number of questions about how real trade barriers and wars have affected economies for a long time. 
Um, Trade wars are bad. That may seem like an oversimplified response in part, but you don't want trade wars. And in fact, I've been following some of the uh, historical literature, of course, and I read some some interesting things this week. And there was a a fun little article in in, uh, one of the one of the newspapers um, that offered two words to trade wars and barriers and whatnot. And the two words were Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not suggesting that he's going to cause some sort of worldwide economic downturn necessarily, but he seems very confident that we can push these people, make them sit up, take notice, change their economic behavior, and I'll go ahead and toss this in, the idea that uh, some sort of trade deficit is automatically a bad thing. Many people mm. disagree with that. Good. Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see, as they say. But as this G7 meeting progressed, uh, a couple of interesting things happened. One is that when the meeting was already had started, President Trump was not there, and all of a sudden he walks in. Uh was that what do you think? Was that intentional or well the the disclaimer that I'll uh, offer as I talk about Donald Trump's behavior is that uh I think it's fun sometimes and I I have no training in mental health uh as a professional but it really taxes our ability to figure out who this man is certainly in terms of his behavior, on any given day. The notion has been floated that he wanted to command some sort of attention by showing up late, and you were probably going to ask about this as well, and by leaving early. Yes. What is that? He's throwing his weight around as the U.S. president. He is uh, um, exhibiting his his lack of serious interest in, in what our greatest allies on the planet are discussing and wanted and need to take very seriously. Um, and he, he talked about how basically we've got this in, in the U.S., plus I have a, a little summit to prepare for and what have you. And really, I, I'm not sure what message he was trying to send by that behavior. I'm sure he uh, has all kinds of clocks, watches, and, and people to uh, get him where he's supposed to be on time. But uh, I can't help but think, sort of a parting shot for, for this this little element, I can't help but think that uh, it, it was intentional. It's hearsay. It's hearsay. I don't know. Yeah, I, no, nobody, nor do I. Nor do I. It, it looked like... Uh, it looked like one of those uh, the Trumpian moves to me, but I, I have no definitive info on that. <laughs> I've got one more, one more before we leave the G7. Uh, he uh, initially came out and said, why don't we reinvite Russia to and make it the G8 like it was, right. referring to they being ejected in 2014 for their annexation of Crimea. And that was a world saying, this particular group saying, you can't do that. And now he's saying, I want Russia back on board. What do you, why would he want that? Well, um, you can run down the, the short list of Russian infractions that people argue got them kicked out of this, this elite group of uh, economies on the planet Earth, uh, whether it's the Crimea, Ukraine, um, 
they're clearly going after agents in foreign countries and killing them. Um, one of the, the great moments in our history will be one of these days, what we finally make of what the Russians were clearly up to in our presidential election in 2016, that did not shed a particularly favorable light on them. Um, in partial answer to your question, though, it isn't clear that Donald Trump cares about or understands the post-World War II world of alliances in the same way that our other chief executives and heads of state have understood those things. In fact, it seems to me that anybody, any, any nation, state, or what have you, that threatens in his mind, the way he, he parses this, the well-being of, of this country uh, ought to be suspicious to some extent as well, hence a partial explanation of why he's behaving toward the other members of, of uh, the, the G7 the way he was. I have to toss in the notion that one day, I trust, we'll figure out what his connection Seems to me there must be one to Russia somewhere, somehow. Um, and perhaps if it's not simply self-serving, you know, a, a kind of a twofer, Donald Trump plus the nation, however he sees a big potential player like Russia uh, affecting things if, if Russia comes back into the fold. But um, you also have to consider the fact that it's not clear to me that somehow, some way, um, Donald Trump sees Russia as that bad. Yeah, it, uh, it's interesting the way he keeps bringing that up, and every every time there's a criticism of Russia, he um, defends that uh, that country. Well, and, and um, maybe there must be someone out there who understands what he thinks about these things. I don't know that he talks to anyone about it or that it's clearly articulated, or that he has any systematic uh, method for thinking about anything. Um, I, I wouldn't want to oversimplify this simply to say that he, uh, he has something going on, there are deals or whatnot that he wants to um, you know, preserve and, and continue and that sort of thing, because we don't know that. It stands to reason, but... Uh, Russia is a very po powerful piece of that part of the world. And then there's what to me is just a little little potentially comical, if you will, in that uh, I don't know whether this will come. It probably will when we start talking about the summit. But his fondness for the tough guy authoritarian leaders in the world is just fascinating. Amazing. Okay, we're uh – now it's June the 8th is over with at the G7. Now it's the morning of uh, Saturday, June the 9th, and Donald Trump's going to leave early. <laughs> he gets on his gets on Air Force One, and he's on his way now to uh, Singapore, <laughs> leaving the G7 uh, with some tentative agreements on some minor issues. And he views a broadcast on Air Force One that indicates, shows that Justin Trudeau, the prime minister from Canada, is saying that we've all have an agreement on this. And he said, I don't remember agreeing on that. So he sends a 
a, a Twitter or something back to the G7 and saying, forget it. We're not signing anything, we being the United States. Right. Right. So this is on route. So again, he even in the air between Quebec and Singapore, he wants control, and he doesn't like to have people tell him, "Hey, we made this agreement." No, we didn't. He, so he he withdrew from that. So we're landing in Singapore. Okay, so now we're now we're at the summit, and uh, we're ready for we're ready for them to arrive. And uh, Kim Jong Un is coming in and. He arrives in a Boeing 747 owned by the People's Republic of China. Yes, he did. Yep. Wasn't that an, <laughs> yeah. an interesting uh, entree for him? Yeah, and, and it w- was interesting that when they uh, uh, when they finally got together, there was a 13-second handshake for the cameras and both smiling. So that's a that's a good good thing. But here's what came out so far. I'm fast-forwarding here. Sure. Um, the U.S. concession, suspension of joint military exercises with South Korea. And then they come, they show them coming in, and they both sign this document with no details. Okay. Uh, denuclearization is achieved, according to President Trump. Uh, your feelings and positions on that? Well, they wrote it down anyway. Um, not to diminish the potential um, that this meeting might have for um, some some momentous changes in in the world, um, and I, I, I'm saying that because what I took from this was, uh, among other things, what we have here is an amazingly well orchestrated and produced diplomatic dog and pony show. Uh, Everybody has, has his or her own little film snippets. I don't know whether we'll come back to this or not, but the, uh, the North Korean media waited two days after the summit and then produced a, a just uh, very well done, I believe it was a 42-minute um, film, their version of what took place here. But... On the face of it, what we have is something that uh, that Trump is milking, and as well he should. He's the only president yep. to do this. That's right. I mean, these. Uh, it was just the other day when the little rocket man and old Doddert were going at it. And one of the first things that the North Korean media did was to just wipe away all of those insults and whatnot, and there was a, a big to-do made of the fact that they continually re- referred to Trump as uh, President Donald Trump, very, uh, you know, respectful. Put a positive spin on it. Yes, put a, put a uh, politics on a national stage where we're, we're duking it out politically one day, and then, then uh, next week all is forgotten. But one of the things you mentioned was, uh, yes, in, in this pretty fuzzy document is a call for the complete and total denuclearization of North Korea. Um, I am among the billions of people all over the planet who, who, who I don't know what that means. Uh, there's nothing in the way of a timetable. Nothing has been mentioned so far as I know at least up to this particular moment, uh, uh, about 
how that will be accomplished. Trump was very, very solicitous of the film footage the North Koreans shown, uh, that they were showing all over the place, um, depicting their blowing up whatever facility that was. That was the one, I think, that they uh, invited our film crews well, around well, the world, but they kept them at bay. Well, and- again, uh, Donald Trump's response to that was that he thought it was the real thing. Not, not some fake site or something and, and uh, that they could do once again for international uh, diplomatic and publicity purposes. Um, and he, he also has uh, something else that springs to mind, responded to, the, to this immediately because everybody was interviewing him. They couldn't even, the plane couldn't even take off. They, they had uh, news folks on the, on the airplane. He was trying to get out of there and they, they delayed the flight so he could talk to some people. But this this idea that he's looking very much forward to this and his his go-to response to serious questions that he can't answer because he logically doesn't have the information required and even things that I'd argue he probably ought to know but doesn't uh, is, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, he was being quizzed on what if... This happens, this doesn't happen, you name it. What, what are you going to do? And we'll see. Uh, in fact, it was either today or late yesterday that he was touting this agreement uh, with, with Kim Jong-un having to do with bringing back the remains of fallen soldiers from the Korean War. He insists they've already started um, the process. That's what he said. Um, and I don't know whether we'll elaborate on this, but... It is of keen interest to me, and I, I imagine most people as well, um, the way Trump prefers to do diplomacy, and I think you got a really good example of uh, his approach when everybody heard him say, watched him on TV, I don't need to prepare for this. That's right. It's he about did say that. It's about attitude. In fact, then he came back and sort of supported that notion with the idea that I've been preparing for this for my entire life. And the other thing that springs to mind in terms of the, the production value of this, again, not to diminish what could happen. He did something but nobody else has done, I mean, since, since the end of the that, Korean War. That's right. The, uh, he was even commenting uh, as he watched film of, of the uh, North Korean military might on the beaches and whatnot and he he's already bringing up the nose what a nice area for a condo and some vacation space and and the other thing that that i as an historian i have to bring this up he sounded so much to me uh like lyndon johnson in 1965 offering ho chi Minh uh, a north vietnamese version of uh the great society quit invading um, South Vietnam, quit messing around with, with these people's ostensibly free nation and whatnot, and we will, we will give you a billion dollars, and your people will be so much healthier and happier and better off. Nor, you know, uh, Vietnam will remain divided, but, uh, and of course, also, uh, unlike Donald Trump, uh, like him, but unlike him as well, uh, Johnson, who was a serious political deal maker, yes, one, one of the best, 
Uh, very much wanted to sit down with Ho Chi Minh. That never happened. Uh, but Donald Trump, he, he did this. He, he's talking to this guy. And uh, we, we will be trying to figure this out and evaluate it for some time to come. And the other thing, again, that springs to mind is that uh, you've got people really pushing, nudging, for something clear and and uh, definable to have happened with this, at least by the end of Trump's first term. Well, you know the the big question that I'm hearing over the last few days is is you already brought up about the timetable. There's no timetable, but the enforcement. Once there is a tentative agreement, how do you enforce that? Because North Korea has tunnels and caves and. I yeah. mean, that's what they do, and uh, he inherited that from his father and grandfather. This is the way they ran that country. So how are you going to ever – I'm thinking back to Iraq with the uh, weapons of mass destruction. How are you ever going to identify all of those areas and spaces and verify that they indeed have been denuclearized? Um, that is going to be tough. That is, is something that will have to be negotiated clearly. And uh, it also connects with Trump's uh, confidence that he uh, listened to all the incredibly pleasant things he had to say about the leader of, of North Korea after this, uh, praising him on, on several venues I saw for being um, a tough guy, uh, this guy, and people keep just pelting the president with these objective facts of life in North Korea. Human rights violations. He's a a ruthless authoritarian killer, and I mean of his own people. Of his own family. Of his own family. Uh, The people are starving there in order that North Korea maintain one of the largest militaries on the planet Earth. And um, Trump does his usual um, Trumpian job of, of deflecting and, and sending the conversation somewhere else, if, if you will. And uh, at the end of the day, maybe, I don't, I don't know, a lot of people would certainly disagree with this and, and probably violently, but for the time being, maybe he should tread lightly on that. He just got the guy to sit down. And, and so um, maybe this is not the exactly the right time uh, the, the people in um you know the state department have to figure that out but he, he and he's constantly constantly uh, um offering what sounds like praise to me uh, of whether it's putin or kim jong-un or duarte or whoever you want to talk about and there's something about those people um and equally important i think it's quite intriguing the extent to which he really seems to believe that within uh, two hours, he's forged a close personal relationship with these people that he intends to use to great benefit. Um, it's a great story the way he tells it. And and the the again, we could go on all day, but I'd, I'd have to get this out. The, the way that uh, both sides, of course, they had to spin it. Um, and one of the most important things the North Koreans did was to sell the idea that these two men met in this summit, in this summit, as absolute um, international equals, that, and that's what he was after. And you know. he, he got that. Kim got that. Yes. And Trump, uh, he he let he let, had nothing to say about it. So well, I mean, moving forward, 
Yes. Listen, I've got, I'm going to throw one at you now. Okay. okay. We've talked about the G7. We've talked about the summit, but one country is really benefiting from all of this. And it's going to be China. Because if you think about it, China over the years has been nervous about the uncertainty of North Korea and the development of nuclear weapons, number one. Number two, they didn't like because of those those military uh, exercises between right. the United States and South Korea. They didn't feel comfortable with that. Sure. So based on what we've talked about, the the military, the joint military operations have been ceased, according to According to the Pentagon, they don't know anything about it, but that's okay. They said well, I don't. I don't think they're actually due to take place, and I could be wrong, but but uh, until August, I, I think that's right. And what what Trump did was uh, at his uh, Trumpy est that that was a one man completely unilateral promise. He didn't talk to anybody about that, uh, and he he also uh, I I love. Um, the entertaining facets of Trump's political rhetoric. And again, that's a whole, that's a show in itself. When he gets going with his somewhat rambling, repetitious uh, rhetoric, especially when he goes off the cuff, he kept saying to reporters, as I saw him on the air, that these uh, military maneuvers in South Korea are provocative. Plus, they cost so much money. He must have asked. I don't know whether he was serious or not, but he seemed to be asking seriously, who's paying for this? Who, well, we know who's paying for it. <laughs> but but uh, uh, he seems to have reassured the folks in that part of the world, particularly South Korea and Japan, that we may not continue those maneuvers thereby saving somebody some money and, and not uh, upsetting the North Koreans, but we're not going to remove the troops. At least there's nothing nothing that's been said uh, of a serious nature about, and we're talking about maybe 30,000 troops, something like that. Uh, and we have a double whammy with the Chinese. I mean, not, not part of the big economic summit, but we face a evolving economic challenge with with the Chinese. I mean, and talk about retaliation if we up the ante and trade barriers and new tariffs and this, that, and the other. They certainly uh, would not take kindly to that, and they've already thrown some things back at us yes. in, in the way of retaliation, clearly. Um, and we, we need to consider that very, very carefully. But I think that, uh, sure, they would love that. See, nobody's talking. But see, I can because I, I wasn't at the summit, and nobody would dare bring this up. Um, I'm not confident that um, Kim is not sitting someplace right now still contemplating the wonders of a reunited Korea. That's not going to happen. Um, the Chinese and the North Koreans would, would certainly love, back to where we started a second ago, certainly love a less intrusive uh, Western military presence in their part of the world. They would love that. And whatever they can do to uh, negotiate that and make it happen, I'm sure they'd, they'd be much happier about that. Well, well we've gone the whole, whole game here. We've gone from the G7 <laughs> in Quebec, and we ended up in Singapore, and then we've talked about China and the peninsula of North and South Korea and 
I hate to say this, but uh, we're running out of time. Well, I really appreciate uh, you, you coming in and uh, voicing your uh, opinion and giving your position. Um, as we know that any of my guests, uh, as well as myself, is not reflective of the <laughs> policies of Dixie State University. And these are indeed our opinions. And that's what makes this show go is because we want the honesty and the well thought out uh, opinions, adopted opinions expressed over the air. And that's why we're here. Well, th- thus far, I'm, I'm sleeping moderately well as a result of the summit. Our president said that we should feel uh, perfectly comfortable doing that. Uh, and I, I hope he's right. Yeah, I saw the same headline. So, <laughs> Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this concludes uh, this uh, edition of Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in and looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much and have a good day. Bye-bye.